Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Miss Congeniality. I am so excited to be here chatting with you on the Spotify wrapped day of all days that I could have chosen to record. I woke up and it was Spotify wrapped and I was I was ready. I was excited. I am excited. I, you know, I could have guessed my Spotify wrapped pretty much every year is some variation of Glee, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Lady Gaga, and Ariana Grande. But this year, sadly enough, Lady Gaga was ousted for Chapel Roan. But I think I just, I didn't have a Lady Gaga era this year where I was listening to her a lot other than like a song here or there. But she's still my number one artist. That's my thing. Taylor Swift's music is so listenable. I'm not like play Lady Gaga while I'm in the shower, Whereas I'm like play evermore. And so that racks up more time. Like when I'm doing work or when I'm on a plane, like it's just Taylor Swift. It's so digestible, but it's like, you know, Spotify wrapped doesn't really tell me everything that I, that I need to know about me. You know, like there's more to me than my Spotify wrapped for sure. But the exciting thing about Spotify wrapped for a podcaster is I also get to see like my podcast wrapped. And I found out, well, I know that most of you actually listen on Apple podcasts, like it's 50, 50, but I think it's like slightly leaning toward Apple podcasts. But I found out that those of you who are Spotify listeners, this is super exciting. Um, 51% of you are new this year, which welcome. I'm so excited to have you. That's so fun. And you guys listened in 83 countries including South Korea, which is cool as fuck. Like sound off, maybe send me a DM while you're listening. If you feel like doing that, like, where are you from? What's up? Like guys, that's so cool. Your favorite episode, the most tuned into was fun on weekdays with Jenna Palick. And you know, I love my girl. And I got the most new listeners from my episode with Ashley Hesseltine. Also love my girl. So I'm, I'm actually just so excited about this. And I think it's a really good time to tell you that I will be going on a very short break, basically from January 19th, I think is the Friday through March while I'm on my book tour. We're not going to be releasing podcast episodes because... I'm going to do a rebrand and we're going to do a really amazing, incredible focused rebrand so that when I'm back from tour, we can just hit the ground running and make this podcast even better than it already is. I really feel like I have the energy and the wherewithal to want to focus on that. And I think that being on tour with Jonathan, who works closely with me on the podcast is awesome because together we'll be able to just chit chat about, you know, making this better in that month and then we'll be able to execute it and then it's going to be awesome. But I, I will still be obviously making content while I'm on tour and I will hopefully be meeting many, 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 many of you and you can buy tickets to tour still. Boston is sold out. Chicago, DC, New York are very close to selling out. So I would definitely go and buy tickets to those and then come hang out with me. I think Houston, we don't have a ton of tickets sold and Nashville maybe and maybe Austin, but come hang out with me. I'm really excited to go on this tour. I'm also going to LA, San Francisco, St. Louis, um, Philly, Atlanta. There's going to be so much. I'm going to be in New Jersey for a free book signing on December 14th at River Road Books from six to eight. My mom is going to be there. My boyfriend's going to be there. Jake's going to be there. Veronica is going to be there. Winston's going to be there. Like, come on, sprint, don't walk. Come hang out with me. And I think it'll fill a nice void while we are away 
for that brief amount of time, which is just slightly over a month. But I think it's going to be great. Is it a leap year? Because that'll even make it shorter if it's a leap year. And what does one do when they're born on a leap year? And isn't that the question on everybody's lips? Anyway, also, we're less than two weeks away from pub day for I didn't know I needed this. I'm so excited for you guys to get the book. I absolutely cannot wait for the New York City live show. It is on 12-12 at 8 p.m. at Sony Hall. There are still tickets available. Please run and buy them and come and hang out and meet me and I'll sign your book and I can just learn all about you guys. That's something that I just feel like I haven't been able to do a lot of because like I started this during the pandemic and then I got super busy with the book and I've just been waiting for this time to just build community and be together. And that is just like an irreplaceable thing to me that I'm so excited about that I absolutely cannot wait for. So please come see me. Pre-order if you haven't. We can still, I'm still selling signed copies Um, but that closes soon. So definitely do that on books or magic. If you want a signed copy or to give as a gift or something like that, but that's really like the book update right now. We're really coming down the wire, which is weird and a little wonky, but we're hanging in there. I spent Thanksgiving last week in Texas and I would love to tell you guys more about why the fuck that all happened, but I had to be in LA for something that I'm under NDA for, but eventually I'll be able to tell you guys. And it was just messy. We didn't know when I was going to be able to leave. And the flights like to get from California to New Jersey were like $5,000 and it was so expensive and overwhelming. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to leave on Wednesday or Tuesday or third, like I did not know what was going on. And so my parents were like, we really think you should just fly to Texas because it's less expensive. And the flight is a lot shorter. So like I knew that even if I had to leave Wednesday, I would still make it to there on Thanksgiving. And it wouldn't be like a stressful thing with someone having to come drive an hour to the airport to come get me. Like they were just like, go there. It was definitely weird and bittersweet. I'm, I'm someone that I'm very, I'm a very nostalgic, very sentimental person. And I feel very deeply the growing pains of growing up. And I have ways that I combat that sadness and that sort of like emptiness that I feel from growing up and my parents getting older and my brother's growing up, but something that's like really important to me is being home for family holidays while I still am, you know, like essentially single. Like I'm obviously in a long-term relationship, but we're not engaged yet. And I, I really want to be with my family. So I woke up feeling incredibly bittersweet. It definitely felt like a little bit of like a frog in my throat. And I just made the most of the day because you know what I realized is that I am so lucky that there were options. There were like people willing to take me in and embrace me and and love me this holiday season, this Thanksgiving season. And so many people can't say the same. And I just want to say also, I mentioned this on TikTok, but I know like Thanksgiving and the holiday season can be really complicated for people. And if whatever you need to do to make you feel the best during this time is what you should do. Boundaries are our lifelines. They are not negative. They are not, they don't make you mean or a bitch. They don't make you cruel. And if you don't have family to celebrate with, if you've lost someone recently, if you just have a difficult time with your family, if you're personally going through something, I'm just thinking of you. It's really, really hard during the holidays to have all of that piling up. And I love you guys. And I'm going to do a full episode on holidays soon. I I love the holiday season, but it's definitely heavy when you're going through like a breakup or you're going through like just any number of things. It can be a lot. And I just want to assign assign sight to that. I see you and I'm here for you and I'm always available to be reached out to if you need something. And I'm going to do a full, a a more full fledged holiday feelings episode, but 
in case you are looking for a way to give back this holiday season, I found this thing, USPS Operation Santa. Incredible. Incredible. Um, and it's basically this like website that collects letters from families who are underprivileged or struggling this holiday season. And the letters are their children, their children's letters to Santa Claus. And that's fucking amazing and fabulous. And I adopted one of these children and I got her a Barbie dream house and Barbies and Crocs and boots and jackets. And I'm so fucking excited. And I'm going to wrap it all up and send it to her. And I'm going to get to make her Christmas wishes come true. If you don't have the means to, to, to do this, there are so many other ways to give back. But if you do, I just can't stress enough how incredible it is, how amazing it is. And like, it's so user-friendly and there are so many people that need help and it, it's just a really nice thing to do. So definitely consider that if you are in the market to make that happen for someone. You guys, we got a lot of, we got a lot of partners today to talk about, okay? I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pay the bills here. But this one is a new partner of ours that I am so jazzed about. I just cannot stop talking about book of the month. You guys know that I absolutely love reading and I love finding ways to make reading more accessible to people. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and to promote the work of emerging authors. And what is better than that? Not only do they curate a few selections each month to choose from, it's like, that's the easiest thing. They're like, here are books, you choose. It's like, it's like making reading so fun, helping you discover new authors that you didn't think of before. And then like you get a little gift in the mail and you're like, ooh, like every month come on, you guys. They make it so easy to decide what book to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles. They pick some of the best new books for you to choose from, and all the books are great, so you cannot go wrong. They also really focus on new and upcoming authors and help readers venture beyond their regular genres, which I absolutely love, and that's incredible. Also, they offer great prices. Shipping is always free, and it's much cheaper than other options. So like, what are you freaking waiting for? At the beginning of every month, they announce their new selections and then you choose one book as your book of the month and you can add backlist books to your box as well as a, at a discount. And then they arrive at your door just a few days later and you can rate and review, participate in reading challenges in the app. I'm so excited to get started, you guys. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is like a little reading community that doesn't feel super anxiety inducing. It just feels fun and like they're doing the work for me, which is absolutely incredible. So... For a limited time, you guys can join Book of the Month at bookofthemonth.com. You can pick a book for just $5 with the code SWEATER. So you can join and get a book for just $5 with the code SWEATER. I want you to stop right now and go to bookofthemonth.com and sign up and get a $5 book with the code SWEATER. If I do not hear that 10,000 people signed up for book, that book of the Month, that's about half of the listeners of each episode. I'm going to be upset because how could you not? A $5 brand new book? Come on. This is foolproof. This is foolproof. Okay. And that's my call to action. We're all reading this December. I love you. And I love book of the month. Thank you very much for sponsoring today's episode. But I had a great time in Texas. I love being with my boyfriend and his family. And it's really nice to like settle into like my role within their family unit and just like feel welcome there. That's just like a really, really special thing. And it makes me obviously feel so loved and appreciated and also makes me feel lucky. Cause again, I know a lot of people struggle with their in-laws and slash like their significant others, family members, but it was really great. And honestly, I've really just been doing like one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time, trying to get 
from here to like the book coming out. And it's just, it feels a little weird. Um, I do actually have a request though. I, I have talked about this here or there, but like I've always suffered with health anxiety, just like health related anxiety. I'm like a metaphobic, so I really can't do throw up, but I, I also like absolutely can't do like hospitals. I knock on wood have only been to the hospital two times other than like going there being like, I'm having a cardiac arrest. And then being like, it's a panic attack. You're fine. Like, and that was like, you're in a waiting room getting your vitals checked. And then they send you home, like, and tell you to relax. Um, I've only like been to the hospital twice. And like the thing that's really weird about my health anxiety that I feel like is like kind of interesting is that like, I'm a very, very tough, strong person. So like I would rather myself be in the hospital than one of my loved ones. That is what I cannot handle. Myself, I really can't handle it. Like I'm scared and like I hate it. And obviously like I was having a panic attack when I went to the hospital to for my appendicitis. But once I like settled in, like obviously like had a panic attack when they put the IV in, but like I could like mentally like regulate and like be okay. Same thing with my surgery, obviously sobbing to my parents before they took me back, but like I could be okay. You know, I'm not like screaming and like running out of there. But like, I can't do depictions of hospitals. I can't do depictions of surgery. I certainly cannot do blood, injury, it, like consistent depiction of death, um, any of that violence on, on film and in TV. And I just really struggle with like not having anything to watch because I feel like all that's left is sitcom. And I feel like I've seen a lot of them. And like, I can't do SVU. I had to stop watching Prison Break. How to Get Away with Murder was like my favorite show and it like it made my anxiety so much worse and I wanted to deny that that was true. I wanted to just like pretend like it was like something else that was making my health anxiety get bad again, but it was watching that show. And like a lot of people are telling me like, oh, you have to do exposure therapy, but like I don't know if I can. Like literally yesterday we were watching Painkiller, which is like the um, show based on like the true story of the opioid epidemic and like how it started and like Big Pharma and et cetera. And like the first 10 minutes were like so so graphic that I like was fully having a panic attack. And it wasn't even like, it was like a man having a heart attack. You can't do that. Can't watch that. That's simply like not acceptable for me. And like, that's the kind of thing that it, it becomes a problem. Like, okay, I'm not going to watch Grey's Anatomy ever because I know I like cannot do hospitals and like, I cannot, like, that's just not my vibe, but it's like, it becomes a problem with the show, like prison break where, yeah, there's just like a lot of fighting and blood and like, I want to watch it because I like suspenseful dramas, but like I can't or like the opioid show. Like I want to be able to watch that, but I couldn't. And it's like just getting really frustrating because I feel like I, I'll never get out of this. Like I feel so consumed by my fear of anything health related. And like I am in therapy and we talk about it and like we're working through it. And like I obviously I'm doing all the things to like make sure I'm okay, but it's just like, I want you to know, um, that if you've are going through this or you you've gone through it, you're not alone. Cause like up until like maybe yesterday, I thought that I was like actually the only person in the world that was experiencing this. And it was like really like sort of embarrassing. Cause I was like, okay, like I'm, I literally cannot like get, catch my breath, like over like this kind of shit. And like, I feel like I'm insane and it made me feel a lot better to hear that other people were like, no girl, like it's fine. I just like don't watch those shows or like I did exposure therapy or whatever. And like, whoo, anxiety comes in waves. And like, I know that my health anxiety is spiking up because like the stress of the book and everything. I just like really want to get to the holidays. Like I, I don't want to like skip my book release day. I just want it to be December 13th and have December 12th been perfect 
And I know it won't be perfect, but I just want it to go well. And then I think I'll feel better, but I'm just like really going through it. So if you have recommendations for any shows or any things that you've done to help that kind of anxiety, let me know. I love you. (laughs) I'm also here for you guys if you're going through that as well. I am anxiously awaiting the Golden Bachelor season finale. So can't wait about that. Um, Love reality TV. You guys know me and the Kardashians. But also I'm reading Tom Lake by Ann Patchett. It's my first Ann Patchett. Loving it. Loving it. It's so good. She's just, God, brilliant. So brilliant. And I'm having the absolute best time reading it. I'm almost done. And that's my first Ann Patchett book. So I don't know what I'll read next. I hope my book is on your TBR because, you know, 11 days. Or I guess by the time you guys are listening to this, 10, which is sincerely heinous. And I'm so excited. But today we're going to do a little ask me anything episode. And I apologize. There are a bunch of ads on this episode, but trust when I say in my heart and in my truth, I genuinely love every single one of these brands. I genuinely made sure that they were all like great brands that I wanted to endorse and tried them all. And so while it might be annoying, it's also a really great way to support my podcast. If you're in the market for any of the items that I am talking about today, there are deals and obviously that's so exciting. And we have some new partners today that I'm excited about as well. So thanks for bearing with me. And without further ado, I think we're going to get into this ask me anything episode, which I love doing these because I think it's just fun and we get to get a little deep with one another, which you guys know I love because my moon is in cancer and who doesn't love that? We're going to do a mix of like questions and advice. And I think that that's fun because it won't be like so serious or unserious. It'll be mixed. So the first question is, please share advice on how you have slash would set communication expectations with long distance best friend. So the thing for me about my close relationships is that I really had to break free from the fear of being honest with those people. And I know that it is scary, like, especially with a friend, it's kind of scary to like ask something of a friend or suggest something or like have a serious discussion. Cause like, that's your friend. Like you just want it to be fun and lovely and whatever, but relationships of all kinds, they take work and time and patience and energy from both parties. And I think that once I freed myself from the ability to like, first of all, disagree with my best friends, but also like feel anxiety about being honest with them, our relationship got stronger because many times my anxiety about having a tough conversation was about an outcome, like fearing an outcome that wasn't going to happen and didn't happen. So in this case, I would just be upfront. I would be like, okay, I literally hate that we're long distance. Like I miss college when we used to be like down the hall. Can we set up like a weekly FaceTime so that we can just like catch up that way? And that, that would just like make me feel so good. Maybe that works for some friends, but not for others. I'm not huge on FaceTiming. Veronica loves a phone call or a FaceTime. And so whenever, whenever, ever I find myself like bored or like home alone on a Friday night or like cooking or doing something tedious, I will call her because I know she gets great joy from me calling her. And she doesn't call me that much because I never answer my phone because I'm always a little busy. But when I have those spare moments, I will make it a point to say, I will call Veronica because she likes to be communicated to by a phone call. I like a voice memo. A lot of my friends know that I'll be like, memo me. And we memo. 
I think that it's just important to be upfront and honest about your expectations. And then they can be honest about theirs and they don't have to align. Again, if Veronica had it her way, we would talk on the phone every day. I don't like talking on the phone that much. So we probably talk on the phone once or twice a week. And it's usually whenever I find a spare minute to call her because I know that she loves being called. Like she literally loves when I call her. And likewise, I really like to be communicated to by like someone saying, like, oh, this meme made me think of you. This tweet made me think of you. This TikTok is so funny. Like if you send me a TikTok, I'm always watching it. That's something that I like love. I love when people think about me when they watch something or see something. So it's just finding the way that you like to be communicated to and your best friend likes to be communicated to and then being really upfront because I promise you your best friend, they're not going to judge you for being upfront and honest with them. That's what they want. You guys know for the longest time, like during the holiday season, I couldn't even wear long sleeve shirts that weren't black because I would get horrible pit stains. The holidays are really stressful. And under our sweaters, we're just stress sweating about gifts and cooking and like our opinionated aunt and uncle, like shut up, Aunt Susan. But no matter how stressful it gets, we can still smell incredible and stop that sweating with Lumi. Lumi is a game-changing whole body deodorant designed by an OBGYN to work not only on pits, but also give feats your little girly girl area and beyond just like a fresh smell. No matter where you use it, Lumi is clinically proven to block odor all day long, all thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula. And they have over 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it, one of them being me. Guys, let's cross BO off the things to worry about this holiday season. Lumi has you covered. I am a huge fan. Honestly, like it's honestly helped my sweating problem. And when I do sweat, I feel like I smell so much better. And that's what I like the most about Lumi. Like I just don't worry anymore about smelling bad. And it's also a whole body deodorant. So if you get sweaty feet or whatever it is under boobs, like it's got you completely covered. It's baking soda free and paraben free and pH balance as well, which I absolutely love. Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a body wash or deodorant wipes and free shipping. So as a special offer for my listeners, new customers can get $5 off Lumi starter pack with the exclusive code and link. And for a limited time, returning customers can also get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more. So you guys can go to lumideodorant.com. That's L-U-M-E deodorant.com and use code miss M-I-S-S to get started smelling fresh. Love ya. Please explain how to keep long distance flings going, especially post hookup situation. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. I think that this person like hooked up with this fling over Thanksgiving and now they're going to be long distance. And this is one of those times that I'm going to be honest, like a DM, a Snapchat, it's your friend. If you want to date this person, that's not your friend. You're going to be wanting to like FaceTime and text. But if you're just trying to like keep them in the rotation for the next time you're home, an occasional DM slide, sending a meme, a TikTok, a tweet, a Snapchat, but nothing like too crazy because then they, they might get the wrong idea that you want a relationship. If you hook up with someone or start seeing someone and then you both go home for two, three weeks for the holidays, my big advice is that the right person is it not going to change their mind about you because there's some distance in the holidays? Now, if you go on two dates with someone and then you guys have not become exclusive and you leave for the holidays, is there a chance they're going to hook up with their hometown Taste the Damn Season fling? Yes. Does that have anything to do with you? Not necessarily. They're still technically single. That doesn't mean that they don't like you. I have certainly been like, 
seeing someone at school and like maybe we like hung out twice and then I went home and hooked up with my high school boyfriend because I'm fucking home for the holidays and like why wouldn't I do that and then we got back to school and me and this other person kept seeing each other and decided to become exclusive if it's going to happen it's going to happen regardless of the two three weeks in between but if you really like them and you really don't want them to hook up with somebody else say that because again your right person is not going to hear you say this is what I need this is what I want and say can't do that no can do they're gonna say okay perfect. So that's definitely like a stressor. And I feel that, but remember it's going to work out how it needs to work out. And two, three weeks is not going to actually change anything with the right person. What was the hardest part about writing? I didn't know I needed this. And do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Okay. So the hardest part about writing, I didn't know I needed this was sort of twofold. The first most difficult part was that the publishing industry is not something like, I don't know, you know when it like when you have a friend in business school and they're going to go into the finance circuit and it's like pretty clear like what the path is in the finance circuit. Like you get this job and then you can get these jobs and like this is the structure and this is how you move up and this is how the bonuses work and this is the different companies and like you can like find out that information. Publishing does not work like that. And I'm not trying to say this in like, oh, publishing is so cool. It's like kind of annoying. It's like super gatekept. Like you, as a debut author, literally have no idea. Like you have no idea what's going to happen. Every publisher is different. Publishing is historically slow industry, historically very traditional. They don't like a mover and a shaker coming up in their business and being like, this is how I want to do it. So it's definitely interesting as a dynamic and also interesting when you're a debut author writing a book and you don't really know like how the process is going to work at all. So I think one of the most difficult parts was just learning as I went. And I feel very excited for the concept of having a second book where I'm more secure in what it means to work at a publisher and what it means to uh, be a published author. So that was like issue number one. The other most challenging thing is the concept of perception as I was actively writing. When I didn't have a platform writing to me was just so cathartic and there was so much joy and I did not fear perception that much because I didn't really know who was perceiving my words and if anything it was just few in numbers it was like professor my class my family like my Facebook friends or like whatever wherever I was sharing it the concept of having of knowing that thousands of people are going to read this book because I know how many pre-orders I've sold so far and the concept of I don't know, the concept of the critical, the, I don't want to say the critiques because I don't, sorry, I had to collect my thoughts. I don't really care about criticism because books are subjective. And what I, when I think about a book that I didn't like, I'll always just say it wasn't my favorite because I know how much time and energy and spirit and enthusiasm that author poured into writing and creating that book. And I know that that like books are so, so subjective. Like my favorite book is going to be somebody else's least favorite book and vice versa. And, and that, that's how it should be. And so I know people aren't going to like the book and I know there's going to be criticism of the book. I don't care about the criticism because I employ and have the utmost of professionals who give me the criticism that I need to hear and everybody else, like they can just throw whatever they want out there about the book. And I'm fine with that either way. I feel proud of the book. I know the book is good. And I am down to say that because as a woman, we need to be hyping ourselves up whenever we can, uh, as women. And so I'm not like concerned about that, but it's more so just the people who don't like me on, on the internet I just like, I really loathe them. And I am not 
I do not hate anyone. And it's like really hard. I don't even hate them. I just feel sad because it's like, fuck, like the, the world is so heavy and, and shitty. And like so many bad things happen and are happening. And the fact that like people want to just log on the internet and make other people feel like shit is so sad to me. Like it's genuinely so fucking sad. And what I'm talking about in relation to the book is just like the comments that I get like daddy's money paid for your book deal. I'm going to be upfront and honest with you guys. I am always going to acknowledge the fact that I come from a very privileged financial situation with my family. My dad worked really hard and growing up with such a hardworking parent and a business owner, I think instilled in me a similar hustle and drive to be my own boss. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity. I will always acknowledge the the privilege that being white affords me, that being straight affords me, that coming from my family background affords me. But I will also be honest in saying that I have not taken a dime from my parents since I graduated college and I paid for my grad school and I worked when I was in grad school to pay my rent and all of that. And is, is there a hundred percent of safety net under me if I ever need it? Absolutely. 100% every single day of the week. And that is a tremendous privilege that allows me to be my own boss with a lot of ease that other people do not get to say that they have. But at the same time, yelling at me, daddy's money got you a book deal is ridiculous because that's not true. I, my agents reached out to me and I have the receipts, not that it matters. And I signed with them and my book went to auction with four editors and three editors wanted to buy the book. I didn't, my parents didn't do anything about that. They didn't even know. I wasn't even updating them. Like my dad is fucking busy running restaurants. He doesn't have time to like pay for my book deal. I don't even know how you would do that. There's like that comment. Then there's the comment like you don't deserve anything that you have. That one kind of hurts. And then there's like the you're a fucking ass writer and you deserve nothing and all of this shit. And it's just like, God, like I'm just sad for you because like, I want to embrace you. Like I am such a lover. Like I just want to like everybody. And like, it's sad that you don't like me and I don't care that you don't like me because that's your own thing. But I wish for them that they could just take their distaste of me and block me or mute me or just move on when they see my stuff. Cause it just makes me sad for the world. Like I just want to bring joy. And so I think that the idea of those people, that was definitely a difficult hump to get over. I'm definitely over it now. But while I was writing, that was something that like sort of consumed me because I was going through a tough time with those with those haters and like managing it. But I'm like so on the other side of that now. And it just makes me so sad. I'm like the world is such a sad, dark place sometimes. And it's like we need to be doing all we can to add hope and love and joy to this world and not the opposite. So those would be the two hardest parts. I would say any advice for young writers would be keep throwing shit at the wall because something will stick. And what I mean by that is I have been writing and sharing my writing since I was old enough to, to have a place to share my writing. I was writing books in my journals and bringing them to my parents and reading them out loud. And then I was doing a Substack, posting on Facebook, working for my town newspaper, taking some random online internship so I could get more clips, like working for the school paper, working for her campus, like any way that I could write and throw shit at the wall, I would. And I think that that really allowed me to flex this muscle. And I, I'm in no way a perfect writer or a perfect person, but I definitely found my my path toward publication. And a lot of a lot of the journey leading up to it was throwing shit at the wall and waiting for something to stick.
I'm not going to lie. There's almost nobody better suited to talk about shapewear and bras than me. I used to be a member of the Big Titty Committee and proudly, I've had a few breast reductions. I still have a nice size chest and I'm always rocking shapewear under my skirts and dresses and I love Honey Love. You guys, we've officially made it to December, which means it's time for 12 days of deals at Honey Love. That's my go-to for both bras and shapewear. From December 1st to December 12th, Honey Love will be dropping limited time deals nearly every day. Do not miss out. I'm really thankful for Honey Love because there's nothing worse than like an uncomfortable bra or like terrible shapewear to wear under like your silk skirt and you want to look all cute and like you do your shapewear and then like you're dying all night. Like I went somewhere recently in a competitor brand's shapewear and I had to go to the bathroom to take it off because it was literally making me feel like I couldn't breathe and like I couldn't digest food. Not Honey Love though. It's so comfortable. I will never go back. Say uh, say goodbye to uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras are so so supportive and they don't have underwire, but they still have lift and they're just so soft. You guys are going to immediately feel and see the difference. So get yourself the gift of comfort and support at a discounted rate. You guys, I'm not going to lie. Like I would not lie to you. Definitely go for this one. Like if you're in the market for shapewear or bras, if you want to try something new, if you want a bra that just smooths and there's no like bulge in the back, this is going to be what you need, okay? So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save up to 20% off site-wide at honeylove.com slash miss. Don't like, don't miss out. It's this month only. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. So please support my show and tell them I sent you. We're going to ditch the underwire for good. Thanks to Honey Love. Love you guys. Okay. My friend got dumped and she's still texting the boy. Can you give her advice? So my advice for you is that we can offer our friends advice and guidance when they ask for it, when they're going through a tough thing, but we cannot, we're not in control of our friends' choices. And first of all, we can't really judge them for their choices unless their choices are actively harming themselves, like in a really serious way or others in a really serious way. If you give your friend the advice to be done talking to this guy because he dumped her and she still continues to text them. That's really not your place. Like you can't do anything. You already gave her the advice and that's tough, right? Cause you care about your friend and you don't want to see her with this dude that she's still texting cause he sucks and he dumped her. But you kind of have to, as her friend, show allegiance to her first. And if you don't want to talk about this guy anymore because you gave advice that she didn't take fine, that's your boundary to set, but it's not really your place. I think. My advice to her would be when somebody tells us they don't want to be with us, like, I don't want to be with you. I'm not interested in being with you. We have to try to put on our big girl pants and look at ourselves in the mirror and recognize that for every person who says, I do not want to be with you, there are, there are people that do. There are people that would not blink twice. There are people that would say, you will never be a maybe for me. You are a yes every fucking day of the week. And that is what you deserve. You don't deserve to be a maybe. You don't deserve to be a not right now, but maybe someday. You don't deserve to be a, it's not me. It's you. It's not you. It's me kind of vibe. You deserve to be a fuck yes. And I understand why you're still holding on to the relationship. And I empathize with that greatly because I have been there. But letting go is going to serve you so much because it is going to bring you to a place of just so much peace. And I cannot recommend letting go enough if and when you are able. If you could go back to college and change something, what would it be besides the sorority? 
Okay. Well, I would not change the sorority. And I know that that may be a surprise to you guys, but I just, okay. I have trouble. I have trouble, you know, looking back and wanting to change anything. Cause I'm like, okay, like who knows what the domino fell? Like, what was the domino that led to this? Led to me sitting here recording this podcast for your listening, beautiful listening years. I don't, I don't know. So I don't want to change anything in the past. If I could change something though, and it doesn't like irrevocably change the future, which like obviously it would. So my answer is nothing. But if I could change something that wouldn't irrevocably change the future, it would maybe be, uh, let's see. I mean, well, sometimes I wish I went abroad. It wasn't really like possible in the theater program for what I wanted to do. And then I started a student org and then I was busy and then Allie was staying. So I'm just going to stay. So I maybe would have gone abroad, but again, I don't really regret not going. I loved being in Ann Arbor when there was nobody there, like nobody from my year, because like a lot of people go abroad and I just loved, I loved the memories that I made in the city at that time. So I don't think I really regret much, um, but maybe I would go abroad. And if I had to choose where to go abroad, I would go to Paris. A few people asked how my boyfriend and I met. And if you guys don't know, I live with my boyfriend. We will be together in three years, for three years in January. And he is my favorite person in the world and my best friend. And he has been with me through all of my TikTok, um, pretty much. Because I started TikTok in March, May of 2020. And I met him in January of 2021. So it wasn't very long before he was in the picture. Um... So most people that follow me are very familiar with him and we've been together for a very long time. We met um, because I matched with his friend on Hinge, his friend from college, and the friend and I just never clicked. Like we exchanged social medias and texted a bit, but he was in the Hamptons. I was in New York. It was just odd. I wasn't, I don't think we were really feeling each other. So we never really talked again. And then he, I was going TikTok live, actually getting ready for a date. And he came on my TikTok live and was like, remember when we matched on Hinge? And I was like, no, but if you have another way to contact me, you should. So he texted me and he was like, that was me on your TikTok live. Like, haha. Like, and I was like, oh my God, who is that? And I was like, oh my God, you. And he was like, yeah, like I have a girlfriend now. I live in New York now, but like I should set you up with one of my friends. And I was like, okay. And one thing led to the next and he set me up with one of his friends and that is my boyfriend. So I think maybe that's why I like dating apps. It's because like dating apps provide really interesting and dynamic ways to meet people, even if you don't realize it. Like meeting human human beings is the domino effect. Because if you meet someone and then like maybe like you randomly like go to a pregame with them and then like you and the person that you went to the pregame with never talk again, but you met people at the pregame and then you run into one of the guys that you met at the pregame at a bar a month later and you guys hit it off and then that becomes the love of your life. Like, or like you match with somebody that you guys both go to school together and you've never thought about being romantically involved with one another and you don't want to make it awkward, but then you both math match with each other. And it's like, oh shit, we do find each other attractive. It's like fun things like that. Um, we went on one date in January and then pretty soon after, honestly, like COVID definitely expedited it because I had been recently vaccinated because I had an autoimmune disease. So I got my vaccine early. He was about to get vaccinated in like February because I think that's when they started actually getting rolled out, but it was still outdoor dining in the city. So we went out to dinner outside, like both COVID tested before. And then um, our second date, we just did at home because we just did at home dates after that. And I think because we were spending so much time together at home and without other people, because it was like post holidays, like COVID, whatever, we just like, I don't know, like really quickly, like decided to date. So then we were 
pretty soon after official and the rest is history. Now we live together and it's going really well and we just signed another year in our apartment. So I think, I think things are good, but don't sleep on Hinge. You never know. We are going to talk about one of my favorite partners, <laughs> you guys. I'm the kind of gal that I'll always try something out before I endorse it online. I feel like that's a best practice. And when I tell you that I had to buy a blender because I wanted to try Daily Harvest, I had to buy, I did not have a blender. And now I do because I am fucking obsessed with Daily Harvest, you guys. Not indulging this time of year is honestly a crime. And you know me, I'm not one to pass up something delicious. And honestly, having Daily Harvest has just been keeping me so nourished, but everything is so delicious. And I love a frozen food. It really makes my life so much easier. And guess what? They now have pasta and their pasta is gluten-free and dairy-free. And my boyfriend is dairy-free and I am gluten-free and they have a pesto. They have a bolognese. They have a primavera as well. Pesto is my favorite. And seriously, like I just can't say enough good things. I just tried the pesto pasta for the first time and listen, like it's a game changer. It's next level. Also, the really great thing about Daily Harvest is they use recyclable and compostable packaging when possible. So they really do their part to take care of our earth, which helps to limit my own waste and make me feel really good. And by the way, I love this like easy cooking. Like I can skip the shopping, I can skip the chopping and I can skip the cleaning. And then it's just throw that right on a little plate and get me fed. You guys are going to get the best of both worlds with Daily Harvest. You can go to dailyharvest.com slash M-I-S-S miss to get up to $65 off your first box and you have to try the pasta. That's dailyharvest.com slash miss for up to $65 off your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash miss. Don't forget the pesto pasta and I love ya. Okay, someone asked for my full everything shower routine, which I love and that's so fun. I think one of my favorite parts about doing an everything shower is like really getting in the vibe. I like to take showers with the lights off um, just to set the ambiance, but I'll keep a door open with the light on in the other room so there's like enough light. I'll light a few candles and I'll play some music, usually Evermore or Folklore, depending on my mood. Sometimes I'm like, I get like a little random and I'll do like jazz and I like to have like a little drink on the counter, whether it's a poppy, a glass of wine, you know the drill. I will go in the shower with my music on, all the vibes right. I kind of like am trying to figure out my hair routine. I use Hair Love, like the vitamins and the serums and stuff for it to grow. But I more mean like what I'm washing with. But typically I'll do a full wash with a scalp scrub and hair mask. I love both. I love a hair mask. I love Briogeo. Love Y-O-A-U-I, Y, Y, whatever, for their like scrub. I will like fully exfoliate. So I have like the body polish from Isle of Paradise. I use Panoxyl on my body also because I get chest acne um, and that like seems to really clear it up. And then I'll wash my face and exfoliate my face with like a Caudalie face wash and then just like whatever plain face wash. I also have like an Olay body wash that's separate from like the exfoliant. I'll like shave my legs fully and that's like nothing special, just like a flamingo shaving cream and razor just like really do it up, like literally everything. And then when I get out, I will use like one of my nice microfiber hair towels, which I love because it's like really helping my hair to be a lot nicer. And I'll put on my robe and sometimes I'll put my robe in the dryer before, which is a perk of having in unit, which I've never had before, um, washer and dryer. And then I will body butter with any kind of body butter. 
and I'll do a little face mask and then I'll do my skincare and I'll finish my drink and it just feels so good. I know a lot of people don't like an everything shower because they're like, it's exhausting. It's literally a chore. I get that. Make it a production. It doesn't need to be a chore. Make a thing a thing. Make it into like a whole damn thing. Like you've got your music, your drink, your like candles, like make it beautiful. It doesn't need to be a chore. You are the one that are assign- is assigning chore value to it. Assign performance value to it instead. Okay, I like this one. How to know that you're in love. So I think for those of us who have been in love before, to clock being in love, it's, does this feel like it did? You know what I mean? Like, but if you've never felt the feeling of being in love before, I would say it feels a lot like having a crush on someone and liking someone, but much deeper. And I think that the best way for me to describe how it feels is Have you felt like that before? Because like if you've had a crush before and you've liked someone before, you've, you know, found someone attractive before, whatever, you can clock what that feels like. Being in love feels like a much more heightened version of that where your head is literally swimming in beautiful clouds and you're like a mermaid diving into crystal blue water. It's like a much more elevated version of being in like or having a crush. And I think that you know you're in love when you're like, am I in love? Am I in love? Is this love? Like if you're asking yourself that question, you probably are. And if you're clocking a feeling that's new and different for you, you're like, is this love? Is this love? Then yes. Then yes, that's love. I also think a great way to describe it would be the inverse of heartbreak. So like heartbreaks foil or opposite. If you haven't felt heartbroken before though, that can be hard. Um, I think you'll know. And I think the fact that you're asking leads me to believe that yes, what you're experiencing is love. How to be around a guy friend who does not like me back, but I am still around frequently. This is tough, right? Like, because let's remove him being your guy friend. If you like a guy and he doesn't like you back and then you have to see him all the time, that just fucking sucks. But hindsight is twenty twenty, right? This rejection is redirection. This is not your person. This is a person that's supposed to be in your life in a friend capacity, in an amiable, like friendly capacity. And that is now something that we know. By finding out whether or not he liked you, you were brave. You learned something. That's amazing. And I am proud of you. Honestly, it might be better that you have to be around him a lot because it's going to force you. I mean, we were talking about exposure therapy. It's going to force you to be exposed to him instead of like, when you have to like take time after like you tell someone you like them and they don't like you back and then you're like, okay. And then you're like really so nervous for the next time you're going to see them and do you ignore them? And what do you say to them? And how do you go? Blah, blah, blah. Someone that you have to see all the time. It's kind of just like, all right, we're back. Like we're doing this. We're friends. It's going to be fine. We're going to get through it. Time heals all. If it's like absolutely too painful for you, clock that feeling. That feeling is valid. Take some space and time if you have to. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying reframe this because I actually think the space that you're not getting from this person is going to afford you the ability to move on faster and to be friends with him again faster. And I think that that actually ends up being a really good and positive thing. How to not beat yourself up when you fuck up. Okay. So for me in my brain, guilt and feeling like really shitty and like being angry at myself is reserved for when I do something wrong, like on purpose that has consequences that really hurt someone. Or if I do something accidentally and it's a mistake, but it really hurts someone, I will allow myself to feel guilt. Otherwise I remind myself guilt is reserved for when something happens that I do that's wrong. And many times fucking up and making a mistake is not one of those times that you're going to like feel guilt. And even if you do feel guilt because you fucked up and made a mistake, you're not accomplishing anything by beating yourself up. 
Like you are your home. You are your self. You are all you really have at the end of the day. And being mean to yourself, it's not going to fix whatever happened. Whatever happened is going to be fixed by learning or education or, you know, apologizing or being intentional so that it doesn't happen again or, you know, taking the right steps to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Being mean to yourself is like actually the last thing on the list. If anything, being mean to yourself is making it harder for you to move on and fix whatever you did that you fucked up. You need to be nice to yourself. <laughs> like that's like baseline number one. If you're not being nice to yourself, you can't be nice to others. You can't be nice to the world and you can't fix this. So I know because like you're beating yourself up that you want to fix whatever went wrong, whatever you fucked up on. And I know that that's important to you. And so I'm telling you with all the love in my heart, you have to be nice to yourself first because you're not going to be able to fix whatever happened unless you're nice to yourself. And that's that. That's it. Okay. So I'm going to consolidate this one because they put it in a few boxes, but essentially what they're saying is this person is feeling depressed lately and they're extra irritable and they're getting super irritated at someone very close to them who they live with. And this person hasn't done anything wrong. They're just getting like uber irritated with them because they're going through something and they're feeling depressed. My number one advice is I hope you're in therapy to help with your depression and also mitigate some of this because I think that talking to a therapist about your irritability, which is like definitely a symptom of some mental health complications like anxiety and depression, it, it could really just help. And professional help is always baseline number one. The number two thing that I think you can do in addition to taking care of yourself and going to therapy is talk to this person and tell them, hey, I have been feeling depressed lately or I've been going through it lately and I've just been so irritable and I've been getting so irritated at people and I just want to let you know that my need for some space has nothing to do with you. I'm just really trying to take care of myself and I don't want to take any of this out on you. That is beautiful communication. It's so honest. It's so open. It's telling this person, I love you. I care about you. And that's why I'm taking a beat right now. It has nothing to do with anything you've done. It has something to do with me. And me taking space is going to strengthen us. I don't think that you have to pretend like everything's fine for this person when they're close to you and they love you. Like you don't need to pretend everything's fine because it's not fine, right? You're not feeling your best. You're going through it. Things are tough. Things are difficult that's okay. We need to honor that. And I hope that you do honor that because that's, that's like all we can do, right? All we can do is be honest and open with the people who love us and who we love. Okay. This one's fun. What was the most interesting or formative year of your life so far? I think formative year was probably like, I guess like when I was 19, I want to say like 19 to 20, 19 and 20, those were really formative years. Like I felt really like I grew a lot and I had a lot of experiences that were really important to that growth. Like a lot of like developmental experiences, like moving to St. Louis by myself and being alone for so much time and like kind of like becoming somebody that I wanted to spend time with. And that really happened. Like the bulk of that growth happened during like this, the latter half of my 19th year and the beginning half of my 20th year. So I would say that that was probably the most formative time of my life, which makes a lot of sense. It's like turn of a new century or whatever decade, not century. I'm not a hundred, but I don't know math decade. Um, like I'm sure I'll feel similarly when I turn 30. But if I had to think about like the most interesting. Maybe I would say 23 because I feel like my 23rd year was like when things really started picking up with TikTok. 
I'm trying to remember back. Like I turned 25. My mother's calling me. Let me take this. She was asking me how, like, I'm <laughs> I'm trying to get a cake with my cover on it. Um, so, oh my God. Holy shit. Guys, the woman who designed the costumes. Oh my fucking God. The woman who does. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not laughing. The woman who designed the costumes in my drama club, she was like 90 years old. She died. Holy shit. Yesterday. What are we going to do now without Carol Malik? She was a queen. They forced her to work in a dungeon in the basement. Pour one out for Carol. She really died of old age. She was like 100. Oh my God, I loved Carol. Oh my God, pour one out for Carol. That's so sad. I'm so distracted. My ADD is so bad. We're going to get back on topic. I, my mom called me because she wanted to give me a cake with my book's cover on it, which is adorable and lovely. And she was just trying to figure out what I wanted on the cake. And I was like, the book's cover. And that was that. And then Carol Malik died. Holy, oh, sorry. I had to take a break to like alert my brother. What a weird thing that yesterday I made a video being like the girl at drama club auditions. And this is like my drama club woman. Like, oh my God, it's really sad. Okay. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash miss and get on your way to being your best self. You guys, I'm really excited to talk about BetterHelp. Miss Congeniality is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. And honestly, at the end of the year, at the end of the holiday season, I feel like sometimes we struggle with seasonal blues and it can be really difficult. And this time of year can be a lot and it's natural to feel sadness and anxiety about it and adding something new and positive to your life can help counteract some of those feelings and that for me has been therapy. So I found my therapist Anne on BetterHelp and she is she's my girl. Okay, she's like my number one queen. We've been doing therapy together for 2 years. We meet once a week. She's absolutely wonderful and she was not even the first therapist that I talked to through BetterHelp. I met some others, didn't feel super great about them, didn't feel like they were a great match and it was so easy for me to switch and to find Anne. So if you guys are thinking of therapy, you really need to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You guys can visit betterhelp.com slash M-I-S-S miss today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash miss. Let me know how it goes. I hope you guys find your own Anne. Love you. We're back. We're fine. Pour one out for Carol Malik tonight. Anyway. I think probably my 23rd year. I kind of forget what happened. I turned 25. I was in London this year. And then the year before that, I had my like dinner when I turned 24 and it was like a cute little thing. And then when I turned 23, oh, I was so drunk, but that was a good year for TikTok and like everything like that. Like I was still working my full-time job, but then I became full-time TikToker and I signed with my literary agents and eventually got a book deal and all of that good stuff. So I would say 23rd year, um, but even though I got really drunk on my 23rd birthday and like it wasn't fun and that's the last time I blacked out over two years ago. I won't do it again. I can't go back. I broke my finger that night. It was a lot. I was at Niagara. If you're a New Yorker, if you know, you know. Okay, next one. Feeling so anxious about graduating college. I have no idea what to do or where to start. 
You do not need to know what to do. I hate to be like, I'm going to point you in the direction of a different podcast that I recorded, but I am going to point you in the direction of my podcast that is about post-grad because I think it'll bring you comfort. One thing I want you to know is that everybody is in the same place. Like nobody is sitting around being like, post-grad is so amazing right off the bat. Everybody right off the bat is like, what the fuck do I do? Like what's going on? What's happening? Like I feel so lost. I feel so upset. I feel so scared. I feel so anxious. Normal. That's all normal. I cannot stress it enough. You're going to be okay. It's normal to freak out. It's normal to feel stressed. All of that is normal. Okay. And being open and honest about those emotions is so, so important when you're heading toward post-grad, because if you don't, otherwise you're just going to be like, faking it till you make it. And that's going to make you really stressed and anxious because letting our emotions get out of us is the way that we can accept them and get to know them. You are so young. And I don't mean that in like a patronizing type of way. I just mean, nobody has it all figured out at 21, 22. Nobody has it all figured out at 21, 22. Not me. I didn't. Not anybody. Anybody who pretends like they do, again, are pretending because no one has it all figured out. And you can also listen to like my 20s episodes that I do about being in your 20s. Those might also comfort you. But I just want you to know you're in the right place. You do not need to know what you want to do. Don't freak out and accept these emotions of fear and talk about them. Talk about them in therapy. Talk about them with your girlfriends. Talk about them with your significant other. Talk about them with your family. Get to know these emotions. You're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. I swear. I promise. I love you. Both of us don't know where this is going because of a bunch of different factors. Am I wasting my time? Only you can answer that. Are the factors like, we are going to have to do distance for a little bit, but it's like manageable or all the factors like he wants to move to California and I want to live in New York, in which case I don't think it's manageable. I think it's going to be tough, but you need to have a conversation with this person about expectations. Lay out those factors. Let's say one of the factors is distance. Let's talk about it. Do either of you ever see yourselves not moving to the place that you're committed to moving to? Do either of you ever see yourselves moving somewhere else or compromising and moving together? Whatever the other factors are, just go through one by one and say, is this a deal breaker? Do you ever see yourself changing your mind? How do you feel about this? Where do you stand on that? It's really important to establish that communication because I think the only way that you are going to be able to figure out if you're wasting your own time is if you go through it step by step. It's not going to be romantic. It's not going to be flirty, but that's okay. You are, you guys are opening the door for your lives to be easier, more romantic and flirtier. If you're just willing to talk about it, there is a chance and you have to show up to the conversation with this in mind. There's a chance that you're going to realize you are wasting your own time. And that's a very real chance and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That would suck and that would sting and that would hurt. And that is, that's just the truth, right? But there's also a chance that you guys have a conversation and it goes really well. And the only way you're going to find out is by talking about it. And the only thing that's truly deeply wasting your time is avoiding the conversation. So take a deep breath, get brave and have the conversation and tackle it. And it's going to be okay. And you guys are going to make it to the other side. All right, we're going to do one or two more. What are some indicators that I am in a situationship? Number one, this person avoids conversations about like the future and what you guys are. Number two, you oftentimes hang out with each other at home. 
And anytime you've met each other's friends has been like either circumstantial, like, oh, we're both at the same party or like, oh, we're hooking up and like our roommates are home. But it's not like these are my friends. This is my family. Like you don't talk to your family about this person and they don't talk to their family or friends about you really. Like it's casual. They're only hitting you up at night. They're only communicating via Snapchat. They're a little shady about the other things in their life. Like you're spending time with them in a re- in relation to hooking up and being sexual. You don't have to hook up or be sexual every time, but it's like time spent at home. The way to know that you're in something progressive is like they're actively bringing you on dates. They're trying to get to know different sides of you and different parts of you. They bring up their family to you. They bring you to meet their friends. And it's like a dedicated, like you are meeting the friends. It's not like, oh, like my friends might be there. Like, let's go bull together. Like, it's not chill like that. I think if you're asking, am I in a situationship? You probably are, but I would need more information to know for sure. Okay, somebody said I'm in the hard part of therapy where like it gets worse before it gets better. Oh, do I feel that? Like, let's talk about it because I fucking feel that. Okay. I think that's something that I notice when I have a conversation in therapy and she brings up things that I hadn't thought about before. Like right now in my therapy, we're talking about how I don't really have the capacity to care about other people without worrying about them. And I never thought about that about myself. You know, I just thought that I was somebody who worries a lot, but also cares a lot. But I, but I've realized through therapy that those things, my worry side and my caring side are intertwined. That was a bit of a rude awakening. I wouldn't necessarily say I left therapy feeling better that day, but here's the thing. The thing about it getting worse before it got better is that, yeah, it got worse because we realized this whole thing about me that we're going to have to untangle. But also we realized this whole thing about me that we can now untangle. Is the untangling hard? Fuck yeah, it's hard. Am I going to do it because I know I'll be better in the long run? Yes. I feel like it's like short, short term versus long term kind of stuff. And when you show up to therapy to do the work and you're like, cause there are different kinds of therapy, like talks, right? There's like the sad crying, emotional dump ones. And then there's like, we're doing work today. And when you're in that, I think you just have to remember, like, I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to get to the other side. And I try to see it in, in a way of gratitude. Like we were able to extrapolate this thing about me. We were able to trace where it comes from. Is that a lot? Yeah, it's dense. But now I'm going to buy myself a cookie and listen to my favorite song and go take a walk. And the next therapy session, we're going to work on it. And we're going to get closer and closer and closer to me understanding more about myself and also more about this thing that I've been struggling with. I know it's hard but hang in there and you've got this and I love you a lot. And it's, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to get better, period. Okay. I like this one for the last one. Dealing with the jealousy of an ex moving on, even if you were the one that ended it. Naturally, when you are with someone and you are like, they're yours, like that was your boyfriend or girlfriend or partner. Even if you ended it, They were at one point yours and now they are someone else's boyfriend, girlfriend, and partner. So regardless of whether they ended it or you ended it, that's weird. That's a weird thing because you're like, I was having sex with that person. I was holding their hand. I was telling them everything. I was the most intimate person in their life. Now it's someone else. I don't know that person. I have no idea how my other person acts with that person. And it's a weird feeling. I would just say that you're probably not jealous. You're not jealous. You're likely thinking to yourself, how have they changed for this person? And I'm going to be honest, people don't change unless they want to. They do not change for other people. So either their new partner is dealing with whatever it was that ended your relationship and that thing is not going to get better and you ended it because you couldn't deal with it and this other person is dealing with it and that's on them, not on you. Or 
whatever's happening between the two of them, they're right for each other at this moment in time. And you guys weren't right for each other anymore. And that is okay. I think that what I would recommend doing is mute, block, unfollow, take out the ability to stalk them from your life. You don't need that. It's not going to do anything. It's actually just going to make you feel upset and it's unnecessary. And I'm just going to ask you not to do it because I don't want you to harm yourself further. Take it away, remove, end, done, mute, block, unfollow. In addition to that, just remember, like people don't change unless they want to. This person did not change for this new person, like overnight, automatically, immediately. They are right for each other at this moment in time. And we have to respect that. And you are not jealous. You are just feeling the strange and very hollowing and sad feeling of watching someone that was once yours become someone else's. And that's going to hurt no matter if you ended it or not. Don't gaslight yourself into being like, well, I ended it. So I can't feel this way. You can feel this way feel everything at 100 times volume, especially the hard things, shake hands with these sad emotions, get to know them because the only way you can let them go is by getting to know them. And that is a fact. That is a fact of life. And you're going to be okay. And you're also going to move on one day. And when you do, you're going to realize why this ended because something else began. And that's beautiful. Okay. I think that's all from me this week. I love you guys so much. I have a bit of a busy weekend, so I will be updating you on Instagram and TikTok, but I will be back next week with another podcast episode. Don't forget to tell me where you're listening from. I love you guys so much. I hope you're doing well. If you're not, go get yourself a cookie and listen to your favorite song and take a walk outside and just try to take some of the edge off. Life is hard. The holiday season is tough. It's getting cold out again. Take care of yourselves, and I hope you have a wonderful, amazing, stunning, beautiful week, and I will talk to you next time. I love you. Bye. Bye.